I'm Michael Movestro, and you're listening to the Vegas Bright Podcast, Episode 8. The Vegas Bright Podcast. From VegasBright.com. So podcast, it's a Vegas podcast. Welcome to the Vegas Bright Podcast, Episode 8. I am, as always, thrilled and honored to be here. I I can't be any more excited than I am right now. Maybe I could be. It is possible that I could be. I don't know. I probably shouldn't limit myself like that. The first thing that I would like to do is just to give my thanks to all of you wonderful, wonderful people who went on to iTunes and gave us some really awesome ratings since the last show. I appreciate it very much. I checked right before the show. I should probably stop doing that right before my show. But I checked to say, oh yeah, I wonder what's going on with the ratings. And I was pleasantly surprised. Thank you all so very much. Uh, So I want to give shout outs to Corgi Mom, The Green Korean, McFur, JP Murph. Thank you all so, so much. One guy or girl, Bert's Joint, I get the two-star rating. I got no beef with you. Uh, in your comment, you said that I said when an encore isn't on the strip. Uh, so let me explain that what I said was, for me, the strip ends at Treasure Island. I was just noting how the lack of activity past that point, besides when an encore, for me, and that's a personal opinion, for me it ends at Treasure Island. When Resorts World happens and whatever else is promised that might happen, if it actually does happen... Uh, is actually built. Uh, I'd have more reason to head up there, but for me, my comfort zone on the strip pretty much ends at Treasure Island. And uh, that's what I thought I was saying, but I obviously didn't make that clear. So, my bad for not explaining further. So let's look at what happened around the web in Vegas news. Uh, The Palms Casino and Resort was sold to Red Rock Resorts, which is interesting, because the Palms apparently, you know, What's for sale? Red Rock snatched them up, and it's an interesting location uh, for Red Rocks to be, but we'll see what they do to it. I don't know if they're going to keep it as the Palms, or they're going to just give it their own name. I would assume that they would. It'll be interesting to see what happens there. I got to be honest with you guys. There are parts of Vegas I have not been to. The Palms is one of them. I haven't been to the Palms. I got I to gotta really break free from the Strip. Which goes way past Treasure Island. Uh, let's see what else we got. Uh, Wynn announced further items for his Fantasy Island. So it's been mentioned on my podcast and everybody else's podcast and every Vegas website that Steve Wynn is doing a development of the golf course and he's going to make a huge, huge lake and he's going to have water skiing and all that stuff. Now in the middle of this uh, this body of water, he wants a 10-story island. So that's what's happening with that. You could find all this information on the Shit You May Have Missed article. Uh, Wheel of Fortune hit a jackpot at the Golden Nugget. Congratulations to the lucky winner of that. Just a matter of time before it strikes again, though. Not too worried about it. I'll keep hitting up that slot. 
The Stratosphere hit 20 years old on May 1st. Happy belated birthday to the Stratosphere. 20. Soon you'll be old enough to drink. There is an interesting article on the investors in Lucky Dragon. And that article, you can actually find it at lasvegasweekly.com. You can get to it from our article. And it's a really interesting, weird interview. You should just go see that. Uh, Let's see. Manly Bay, uh, they had a loss of power. It was about a 40-minute loss of power. I was thinking it was some sort of an Ocean's Eleven kind of a thing, you know, like, you know, cause a distraction or whatever. That would have been pretty awesome. And Donnie, please don't go. Donnie Osmond is thinking of leaving Las Vegas. Uh, but it's a Robin Leach article. And something tells me this is just to get make people be like, oh, no, Donnie, don't leave. And then he'll probably do an announcement during his show. All right, guys, I've been thinking about this a lot, but I'm going to stay right here in Las Vegas. <sighs> I have a feeling that's what it is. He's not going anywhere. Uh, and if I am wrong, I will not eat my hat, but I will... Go to Las Vegas and eat a delicious burger and write an article about it. See, if things go wrong for me, everything is fine because I'm just going to eat a delicious burger and write an article about it. Edge Vegas wrote a shit ton of articles. A shit ton of articles. He writes in 25 different places. You could catch him at Edge Vegas and you could catch him at uh, Travel Zork and Front Desk Tip and a bunch of places. But he wrote a shit ton of articles. But there is one really cool article which breaks down the MGM Resorts parking fees. If you go to edgevegas.com, it was posted on May 12th. The title is Travel Vegas. Breakdown of the parking fees at MGM Resorts is for travelvegas.com that he wrote that for. You go to Edge Vegas. Everything he writes for everyone is now at Edge Vegas. So it's easy to keep track of all his awesome writing. So I'm glad he's doing that now. Thank you, Mark, at Edge Vegas for, for doing that. Uh, let's see what else happened. The Las Vegas Review Journal, or I should say Uncle Sheldy's Las Vegas Review Journal <laughs> reports uh, that the growth in esports popularity wows the Nevada Gaming Policy Panel. Uh, that's interesting. The Station Casino's parent company reports a 4.8% revenue rise. MGM Resorts will not charge locals for parking for now. That's going to change, I believe, in December. And the Las Vegas Convention and Visitors Authority has released the numbers for March. March brought in 3.7 million visitors. That's a lot of visitors. And that's it for last week in Vegas news. Not a lot went on, but you are now in the know. Uh, When we come back, we're going to be doing This Week in Vegas Bright. So keep it tuned right here to the Vegas Bright Podcast, Episode 8. I don't know what I'm calling it yet. VegasBright.com. We're not only a podcast. We cover news about shows, hotels, restaurants, and gambling. We also feature the Vegasy buzz around town like new construction, renovations, and future openings, as well as reviews of places to eat, experiences, hotel stays, and new things to do. And occasionally, we offer a sneak peek behind construction walls to see how a new place is coming along. VegasBright.com. And we are back at the Vegas Bright Podcast. See, that was easy. So what we're going to do right now is we're going to look at what happened last week in Vegas Bright. I keep calling it this week in Vegas Bright, but it's not this week anymore. It's last week. Last week in Vegas Bright. So what do we get to that? Let's do that. Okay, then. 
Last week on Vegas Bright, Blonde Forever shared her tips on how to do Vegas on a budget. It's good, good advice, good low-rolling stuff. Go and check it out. Paper Poster wrote his very first article, which is awesome because he always just tips us off to awesome things. This time he actually sat down and said, I'm going to write an article. And he wrote an article about Wayne Newton's Up Close and Personal. It's a really good review. You should go check that out as well. Uh, Michael James discussed his getaway to the hidden parts of the House of Blues Foundation room at the Mandalay Bay. That was an interesting article. I haven't been to the House of Blues Foundation room. I've been to the Mandalay Bay, but I haven't been to the House of Blues Foundation room. One day. There's still a lot of things on my Vegas bucket list that I haven't gotten to, and uh, that's going to be one of them. So I can't wait to do that one day. Sam Monsieur and Greg C. did a little more of the Westgate tour. They were focusing on the Sky Villas. There are three of them up there, and they're absolutely beautiful. But the, the pictures are worth much more in words than I can express. I would go over there and check it out. Uh, Royce, the Japanese chocolate confectionery, is opening at the Venetian this month. In fact, is it, are they open yet? No, not yet. Right now, they're not open. But they should be opening this week at the Venetian. Uh, it's it's you got to see the chocolates. It's uh, they're probably going to be pricey, but they look interesting. They look delicious. Uh, you can check that out on VegasBright.com. We had two author for a day articles. The first one being from Short Arms Deep Pockets, where he shared memories of his first Vegas trip. That's a great story. Go and check it out. Matty Ice shared his favorite Las Vegas craft beers. That's a good article as well. I, I'm not tooting. I'm not trying to toot Vegas Bright's horn here, but we kind of crushed it this week. Uh, Sam Asir reviewed Frankie Moreno's Under the Influence, which is the new show that opened at Planet Hollywood. Uh, Frankie Moreno is headlining that uh, venue, and it's uh, from what I understand, it's really good. Another author for a day, uh, Magoo, tells a story of his first Vegas trip. That's also a good one. Very, We have a lot of great first Vegas trip articles on Vegas Bright. I'm kind of just really proud of Vegas Bright, I guess. I'm not sure if it's me talking or if it's the fact that this episode is brought to you by Strongbow. This time served over ice. And I'm taking my time with it. I'm sipping it. I'm not guzzling it down like I did last time. So I'm not getting drunk. And that was it. That was this week in Vegas Bright. That was super fast. But don't worry, we're not out of show yet. You might think we're out of show, but let me tell you, no, we're not out of show. You know why? Let me tell you why. Because what I'm going to be doing on this show, Vegas history from 1906 to 1926. Yeah, Vegas history. And another thing I'm going to do is I'm going to wax nostalgic about a place I've never even been to. In fact, I'll do that first before I do Las Vegas history. And I'm going to get nostalgic in about mm, 10 seconds. VegasBrights.com. All your Vegasy things, no resort fees. And I'm back. I said it would be about 10 seconds. So what I'm going to be doing is I'm going to talk about a place in downtown Las Vegas that I did not have the pleasure of ever going to. I wish it was still around, just so I can see what it would have been like to be there. And I tend to get nostalgic about places I haven't been to because there's a place about to be demolished. Well, it is being demolished, but it's about to be imploded at some point in June. They say mid-June, and it might be, it might be near the beginning of June. It might be before that. Because as you know, the LVCA, 
the LVCVA is, you know, imploding the Riviera. They're not going to be making a big announcement about it. They're not going to give you too much time to get there. They just kind of want to ease on the crowds showing up, and they probably can't afford a spectacular fireworks display or anything like that. And they probably don't want to draw too much attention to it because they're going to level the place in order to make a flat piece of land. So it's going to happen. The Riv will not be honored as it should, and that's unfortunate. And I guess that's why I'm starting to think about places that aren't there anymore that I haven't had a chance to visit. I have visited the Riv, though. And not only did I visit the Riv, I played there, I took in a show there, and I have a wonderful, wonderful uh, Riviera hotel room starter kit right here in my office slash studio. Uh, I got a phone, I got a, uh, I got the little sign that says you are here, the fire escape route, I got the signs that went next to the phone, I got the room plaque, uh, I've got a bunch of things, it's pretty cool, so I'm happy I have it. Anyways, the place that I wish I had a chance to visit in downtown Las Vegas would have been called The Mint. It was this beautiful building with a pepto-bismol pink color with a giant sign on the front. And it was animated, the sign that is, and just looked amazing. From all the pictures I see of it, it looks amazing. And I wish I would have had the opportunity to just go inside and play whatever slot machines they had at the time and try out whatever food that they were serving at the time. It would have been cool. And I kind of, you know, every time I see pictures of the Mint, like, and I like to read a lot of Vegas history and stuff like that, and I'll see really cool pictures of the Mint. I'm like, man, I wish I was there to see it. But I wasn't. And that's kind of annoying. But what can you do, right? A lot of places, I'm sure if you're listening, there are places in Vegas that you haven't been to or that closed or whatever, and you probably can relate somehow to saying, man, I wonder how cool that would have been. But yeah, for me, besides the Stardust, it would be the Mint Las Vegas. Uh, it was in downtown. It opened in 1957. I was not born yet. Uh, it had a 26-story hotel tower. That hotel tower is still there. That's the Binion's Hotel Tower, which is closed because I, I don't know why. I don't even know why. They, 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 why, isn't it, why is it closed? It opened in 1957. It's got a 26-story hotel tower. That was added in 1965. In 1988, the Mint was sold and became part of Binion's Horseshoe. The Mint was the sponsor of the Mint 400, which was an off-road race uh, from the mid-60s to the mid-80s. The Mint was made famous, or infamous, as the first night's stay in Hunter S. Thompson and Oscar Acosta's legendary 1971 weekend trip to Las Vegas immortalized in Thompson's novel, Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. Oh, I wish you could see the picture I'm seeing now. It's, a, it's, it's just beautiful. It's got a lot of uh, film history. Uh, you can see it in the YouTube music video. I still haven't found what I'm looking for, which was entirely filmed on Fremont Street. Uh, you can see it in James Bond's Diamonds Are Forever. You could see it in the motion picture Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas, although it is a computer-generated reconstruction. Uh, you could also see it in the movie Viva Las Vegas starring Elvis Presley. And you could see it in a few music videos by Panic! at the Disco and their 2013 album Too Weird to Live, Too Rare to Die. Anyways, that information I just read off of Wikipedia. Although there are pictures and even more history on other websites uh, that I've had the pleasure in reading. And I kind of wonder if there are pieces of the mint still there. You know, wouldn't that be cool? Anyways, 
That's the place that I wax nostalgic about. The Mint. What would it have been like? What would the games have been like? What would the atmosphere have been like? What did everybody sound like back then? What was the slang like? You know, it's things like that. I think about those kind of things. And who knows, maybe you do too. Or maybe you don't. And that's fine. But it's just the way I feel about it. If I could go back in time, besides seeing the Stardust, I would like to see The Mint. That being said, let's get a little bit of music on. And when we come back, I'll be doing Las Vegas history, the years 1906 to 1926. And for now, let's give you some music. This is the U.S. Army Blues. The name of the song is Stardust, which is appropriate. And you're listening to it right here on the Vegas Bright Podcast, Episode 8. I still don't know what I'm calling it.
VegasBright.com, the Vegas website where the parking is free. Yes, it's that time once again for Las Vegas history. We'll be covering the years of 1906 to 1926. So let's get started, shall we? Let's. 1906. On the 13th of January 1906, the 54-room Hotel Nevada opened with the address of 1 Fremont Street. In 1931, it was expanded and renamed the Sal Segev. A weird name, you might think, but if you spell it backwards, it all becomes clear. It would later be renamed the Golden Gate Casino in 1955. Also in 1906, Las Vegas got its first streetlights. Ain't that cool? In 1907, the very first telephone was installed inside the office of Charles Squires at the Hotel Nevada, now known as the Golden Gate. The second telephone was installed at his home four blocks east on Fremont. In 1908, nothing happened. No, seriously, nothing happened in Las Vegas in 1908. I'm not even kidding you. In 1909, Clark County was created on the 1st of July, while in December, the city was covered by a foot of snow. 1910 was not a good year for Las Vegas. Nevada reluctantly bans gambling when a strict countrywide anti-gambling law becomes effective. It's the last state to enforce this law, and as of 12 a.m. on the 1st of October 1910, gambling was illegal. Even the old custom of flipping a coin for the price of a drink was forbidden. On top of the gambling ban, a flood destroys more than 100 miles of track on the Nevada route to Salt Lake, and Las Vegas was close to being wiped out. The population of Las Vegas in 1910 was 945 people. In 1911, Peter Buell is elected the first mayor of Las Vegas. He would be mayor from 1911 to 1913. Although he only spent around 20 years in Las Vegas, by the time he had left, he had helped promote and speed up the progress of Vegas, as well as convincing most people that Las Vegas had the brightest future of any town in the West. He died in 1939, but if he could see the place now, he would be proud. Also that year, the city of Las Vegas was incorporated. That means that the city has a home rule charter from the state and has control over its own taxes and can create laws and ordinances for itself and by itself. Just before Las Vegas voted on whether to incorporate their city, a fire burned down the Overland Hotel. And this event helped convince voters that incorporation would improve the city services such as fire protection. The Overland Hotel was located on Fremont Street directly across from where the Golden Gate is today. You might be wondering, what the hell was the Overland Hotel? Wait for it. Wait for it. It was soon rebuilt after the fire and remained there until 1951 when the Las Vegas Club Hotel and Casino moved into the first floor. The Las Vegas Club was actually located on the other side of Fremont Street from 1931 until moving to Overland in 1951. The Overland had a separate neon sign with a train engine that hung over the second floor. The Overland was eventually closed for good in 1977. In 1912, the Majestic Theater opened on the 16th of April, promising to present the best motion pictures and vaudeville acts. After that, Las Vegas went through a relatively quiet and uneventful time over the next few years with very little of note happening, so 
Last, so let's fast forward. But between 1910 and 1920, the Las Vegas population increased from 945 people to 2,304. 1920 was the year of aviation for Las Vegas. On the 7th of May, newspaper editor and reserve army pilot Lieutenant Randall Henderson, accompanied by former Las Vegan Jake Beck, Jake Beck, Jake Beckley, that's it, landed the first, I'm not editing it, there's music playing in the background, it's going to be a bitch to edit. Their flight originated in Blythe, California, and they flew in a Curtis JN4 plane. The first airport to serve Las Vegas was Anderson Field, located on what is now the Sahara Hotel uh, SLS parking lot. Over the previous months, the land had been leveled and smoothed. An old roadhouse had been demolished, and a small building built on... It's a Family Guy reference. Uh, a small building built, and most importantly, an L-shaped runway constructed which would allow p- pilots to land without worrying about the direction of the wind. All this was completed by November, and the airfield opened officially on Thanksgiving Day. During the afternoon, three biplanes landed safely there. The Northern Club is opened on the property of the Las Vegas Coffee House. On the surface, it was a place that sold soft drinks, but as most miners knew only too well, the phrase Northern was code for alcohol and gambling, which of course were both illegal at the time. There was a Northern in every mining town in the West in the early 1920s. La Bayou now occupies the space of the Northern Club. At least for now, depending on what the Stevens Brothers are going to do with it. 1925, Fremont Street was first... Hmm. I should have written that better. In 1925, Fremont Street was the first paved street in Las Vegas. In 1926... In 1926, the first airport in Las Vegas is established at Rockwell Field. This was Anderson Field, where the first plane landed in 1920. But the brothers Earl and Leon Rockwell bought the field in 1925 and renamed it after themselves. How humble. Western Air Express became the first airline to deliver mail and passengers to and from Las Vegas. This Western Air Express operation was the beginning of Western Airlines, which later merged with Delta. The first airmail delivery departed Las Vegas at 10.45 a.m. on the 17th of April, piloted by Maury Graham, who sadly died in a plane crash in 1930. The first passengers arrived just over a month later on the 23rd of May, piloted by C.N. Jimmy James. Ben Redman and G. and J.A. Thompson were given coveralls and rode perched on the mailbags in the forward compartment of the Douglas M2 biplane. Wow. That's balls right there. Only two weeks later, the first woman to fly to Las Vegas arrived on the 10th of June. Maud Campbell paid $160 for a round trip from Salt Lake to Los Angeles via Las Vegas. The airfield was only used as a city airfield until 1929 when it moved out to what is now Nellis Air Force Base. And that's Las Vegas history from 1906 to 1926. And you heard it here on the Vegas Bright Podcast. We'll be back after this. This meaning the rest of this song. Come on, you know you like it.
half. It was like three minutes of that. I could see how it's like, Arr. all right. So anyways, that's our show for today. Thanks for tuning in. I hope I made it more than 20 minutes. Um, I know the last show was only 20 minutes long, but I think, I think I'm all right. I think I'm at least past the 30 mark. Uh, so I, what I want to do is give some shout outs because it's always good to do shout outs at the end of a show. Uh, I would like to give shout outs to Mark Meltzer. You know him as Mark Meltzer, but he also has a website called Edge Vegas and you should check it out. Everything that he writes everywhere else now shows up on Edge Vegas. So instead of saying he writes in 25 different places, now you can get all of his stuff on one site, edgevegas.com. I also want to give a shout out to Scott from the Vital Vegas website and the Vital Vegas podcast. Man, he is doing some wicked drone footage lately. Freaking A, man. I love drone footage. And now he's like, he's got a drone. He flies it around things in Las Vegas. It's so fucking cool. Uh, check him out. You probably know who he is already. If you don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't, I don't, I mention him on every show. You should, uh, vitalvegas.com. Also have a shout out to Adam from the Vegas Fanboy podcast. You can check him out at vegasfanboy.com. Another shout out to Chris at the Faces and Aces podcast. You can check him out at facesandacesLV.com. And of course, to the whole crew at the Vegas 360 podcast. You can check them out at 360vegaspodcast.com. This week, they're having their Vegas Vacation 3, and they are all excited about it. And I look forward to the many, many random tweets I'm going to be reading about it. Wish I was there. Definitely next year. Also, I want to give mentions to 500 by Midnight, the You Can Bet on That podcast, Tipping the Odds Las Vegas, and Vice Lounge Online. Vice Lounge Online is cool. I'm not into bourbon and cigars, but when I listen to that podcast, I want to be. So I guess that's a good thing. While I'm giving shout-outs, I want to give shout-outs to all of my peeps over at Vegas Bright. To Sam Monsieur, Greg C., Paper Poster, Blonde Forever, Greg Bennett, Genadius, Big AZ Marty, Michael James, Alex Kasalova. Alex, where have you been, man? Come on, dude. Hit a brother up. Maddie Ice, our new contributor. Sailor Dude, George Adams, and let's see. Lucky Ducky, Bob Z, and let's throw in Corgi Mom, too. I mean, yeah. Yeah, I think she's going to, I have a feeling, I think she might write another article on, on Vegas Bright. I don't know why I say that. I just, you know, she wrote this article about staying at the Maxim for her first Vegas trip. And near the near the bottom of it, she said, although this wasn't the trip that solidified my love for Vegas, we'll leave that for another time, I think means, you know, Everyone's at the edge of their seats now. They probably want to know about the trip that solidified her love for Vegas. I mean, I could be wrong, but that's what it tells me, you know. So maybe she'll write one more article and she'll tell us about the trip that solidified her love for Vegas. Because that would be cool. All right. That being said, I believe I have shouted out everybody that I can possibly shout out. Uh, thank you to all you listeners who are listening. You're driving in your cars or maybe you're at work or you're listening at home or whatever it is you're doing. Thanks for taking the time to say, do I really want to fucking listen to this pet podcast? And then saying, all right, fine, let's see what the fuck happens and hitting play. So thank you so much for that. Uh, I hope you all have a great week and I will see you next week. If not next week, then the week after. I don't plan to do these weekly. I just do them when I want to. I'm aiming for bi-weekly, but we'll see. Sometimes I'm just in the mood to do a podcast. Like tonight, I was in the mood to do a podcast. So here I am. 
and there I go. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. I appreciate the support you've been giving us on iTunes. Please do check out VegasBright.com. We are not only a podcast. We have some awesome articles daily, Monday through Friday. Go ahead and check it out. Go see what I'm doing. Go see what the other writers are doing. It's a labor of love. We're not getting paid. We just love what we do, and we love Las Vegas. Until next time, stay Vegas and stay bright.